Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful in oil country and around the world. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy, who on the occasion of an Edmonton Oilers victory is also doing the game grades. Bruce, congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, I've had actually pretty good luck against Calgary. I think I've done all their games but one, and so the Oilers are five and two, and I'm four and two in covering Calgary games. So I'm happy. It was uh, a big win, and it seemed in doubt, but I, I started to get a feeling throughout the game, honestly, even though the, the Flames had eight grade-A chances to order six, but I just had a feeling the orders were going to win. They just seemed... There just seemed to be really a strong emphasis on the orders on defensive play in the game. And uh, we're going to get into that. First, we're going to do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast, and because it's an Oilers victory... We will go with two good things each. What's your first good thing? Yeah, I'm going to single out the big man, Leon Dreisaitl, tonight. I thought he had a tremendous two-way hockey game for the Oilers. And he was, uh, I was particularly enthralled with his defensive play. Uh, the, the commitment and the battle level that he showed on the defensive side of the puck, um, racing back, for example, to strip Johnny Goodrow when Goodrow thought he was cruising into the high slot with time and space on his hand. And all of a sudden, Leon took away both those things, and then he took the puck away, too. Uh, but I just thought he was, he was uh, aggressive on the puck. He was, he was in good positions. He, he won a lot of battles, and he transitioned the puck, got it and moved it, and got it going north out of Edmonton's territory uh, time and again, uh, including two key zone clearances in the empty net situation in the last minute of the play. And, oh, yeah, he was an integral to all three Edmonton goals in this game, earning assists on two of them <laughs> and basically earning a third assist on the other one where it was a dizzying four-way passing play from Bear to Dreisaitl to Bear to Yamamoto to Cahoon, who put both the puck and himself into the back of the net just to make sure. And it was uh, just a spectacular play with Leon playing a key role in that one too. Like He, he was... Uh, um, big part of the transition and then he made a slick pass back to bear and then bear made a great pass which i guess we'll probably talk about as well later on but uh i just loved leon's overall game he had seven shot attempts one official hit but uh uh i saw more aggression from him that than that he took one penalty for getting in the face of one matthew kachuk and not taking his crap giving it right back to him they both went to the box it's all good and Get this 11 and 6 in the faceoff circle, 65% on a night that all the other Oilers combined were eight wins, 19 losses. So he was a beacon in, in the uh, wilderness in the faceoff circle. And the team struggled, but Leon was uh, winning the day on his draws. And I just thought he was absolutely central to the game and to the win. One of those faceoff wins led directly to the winning goal, of course. So. Let's add that too. Anyway, yeah, I thought he was absolutely central to to the win and uh, terrific, and that was wonderful to see after a couple of pretty iffy games from the big guy. Good to see him back at center, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that. I thought the moment that he got into that fight, little skirmish with Kachuk, 
Huge mistake for Kachuk. You don't want to wake. It's like he's like you know the the old thing that they used to say about Frank Mahovlich is don't you know don't you know get in his face, get in his grill, or Gordy Howe. Don't wake him up. Mm-hmm. And they that woke. They he poked the bear there, and Drysaddle was a bear this game. He was just he was a grizzly bear, up and down the ice. And Bruce, I have often been frustrated with his defensive play, as listeners of this podcast know. And it's because I know that he actually can win the Selkie Trophy if he if he gives it his all, like he did this game. He he was just he was masterful defensively. He was like a pillar of the high level bridge in the defensive slot. Man, he'll be there 107 years from now, still defending <laughs> that place. He he was so he 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 can be so good and we've seen him you know comes to mind against anaheim in the playoffs where he was this kind of dominating player and i think in the playoffs leon will be this at center uh he will be this player yeah i i just uh i just thought he was extraordinary like you do and i was gonna if my good thing was going to be the defensive play of all the centers and you know Mm -hmm. haas had a little bit of trouble he screened the goalie on the one goal Mm-hmm. And he had a bad line change on a Grady scoring chance against too, but uh, but in the defensive slot, McDavid was very strong, and Jujar Kara was strong, and Leon Dreisaitl was a tower of power. Um, my good thing, Bruce, is um, Ethan Bear. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I don't know why he's not playing on the top pairing right now. He. Um, let me just confirm this. I think he Sam had him. Will be. I think he should be. Um, I think he had another clean sheet on defense here. Yeah, not one major mistake on a grade A chance against, which is starting to become the norm for him. Mm-hmm. Handling the puck so very smartly, Bruce. So very mm-hmm. smartly. And we, and we saw that, of course, on the goal, uh, where he was involved in the second goal. It was kind of that um, <laughs> Barcelona goal where they kind of dribbled the puck into the net. You know, mm-hmm. with passing it around and then pass it right into the net, and you, you you hardly ever see that. It's so beautiful when you do, but but they had that going on there. What did you want to you wanted to say something? I was going to say he was chubby on that play. Barry <laughs> yeah. handled the puck twice in the build up to the goal. He he made the long breakout pass and he busted his butt to get up ice and take the return pass from Leon, and then he saw the guy Yamamoto open wide on right wing and. That was, I, thought, I thought that second pass from Bear, like the, the headman pass to Vion was great, but the second one to Yamamoto was off the charts. Like to see him and to deliver that yeah. pass, yeah. giving him time and space. And they they just opened the defense up a crack and they worked the puck yeah. right into the net. And he was central to it. Bear was. Yeah. Chabby to Iniesta to Busquets to uh, Lionel Messi. With Dominic Cahoon starring as Leon Messi, hell of a game from Dominic Cahoon. Like, pretty fired up. You know, he doesn't ever look that inspired because he's not that kind of player. But he did look fairly um, direct, I would say, in terms mm-hmm. of his play tonight. I mean, Ethan Bear on, on that play though, like just the the savvy. He it was like Brad Park. It was like he he was as cool as Wayne Gretzky in a Lamborghini cruising down Wayne Gretzky Drive. You know, just just the the epitome of cool on that play was was Ethan Bear. Um, he just moves the puck when he's on like that. Uh, he just he looks like he could be definitely a top four defenseman in the NHL, and maybe getting into the top pairing and holding his own like he did last year a lot of the time. 
when he's making smart plays, Bruce, like this, yeah. no, his lack of foot speed doesn't come into play because he's not he's an he's an average skater for an NHL defenseman, but his hockey IQ is so high, and this is what was missing. It's so strangely missing earlier this year, right? When when he had been hit in the head and was recovering from that, um, that was that's what was missing from the game, his game was that incredible hockey IQ that he has as a player, which I love to see. It's it, for a defenseman. It's almost the, the, the most valuable quality. And um, he, he was exuding it all game tonight. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I don't know why he's not in the a team with Darnell nurse in the top. It's pen. coming. I think it's coming. Yeah. It better be. And Barry was Barry's been on a big hot roll for a long time, David, but these last three games, he's fallen off a cliff. Well, we'll talk more about him in a bit. <laughs> yeah, I like Barry's passing of the puck. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been a little bit, you know, I don't want to get on the second assist thing, but that's part of it, right? Like, there there oh. has been, he's been getting, he, anyway. He passes the puck to, to McDavid or Drysaddle, and they set up someone else for a goal. I think passing the puck, getting the puck into the, onto the stick of McDavid and Drysaddle has value, personally. I love I love Barry's <laughs> passing, and I don't want to denigrate his offensive team. I don't think he he is the best offensive defenseman in the NHL, though. Like I think he's a very good offensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. That's that's the point I want to make. All right, Bruce, what's your second? Good okay, point? well I'm going to go with uh, Jujar Kara, whose game I really like tonight, uh, playing uh, um, you know down the lineup on a, on a very good uh, effective line. He played 11 and a half minutes, a little over a minute on the penalty kill successfully. And he was uh, basically 10 minutes at even strength. He led the orders, tied for the team lead with three shots, a couple of real heavy shots that he took, not from grade A positions. Uh, that line wasn't certainly wasn't get, creating huge, great chances. But when they were getting the puck near the net, they were firing hard and heavy shots on Jacob Markstrom. And maybe that's... Uh, they helped soften him up a bit for the eventual winning goal. Who knows? Uh, and then uh, uh, he also led the Oilers with five hits. Uh, but I also more was impressed with his defensive zone play and his, his zone coverage and, and uh, his, you know, he, he go hard to the boards, t- take on the battle, saw off or win the battle, and the Oilers would come away with the puck. And uh, he did that, uh, I thought, on a number of occasions. And, and uh, just, you know, an underrated game. He's nowhere near getting on the score sheet, you know. But uh, uh, um, I thought he did his his job almost as well as, as could be done. And almost saw it off in the faceoff. Dot. It wasn't him getting clobbered. He was three three out of seven. He was good. Mm-hmm. He... he, he um... He had a bad, he had a really bad game against Montreal. The whole team did. And I was thinking, oh, oh like there was some, some Jujar Kara turnovers, the, the kind mm-hmm. of that haunted his play last season. And I was, I was kind of where I was thinking, we really haven't seen that Jujar Kara in, in a that's long not. time. <laughs> so that's, are we going to see it again? Is that going to, like, is he going to have shattered confidence? But he, no, he came back and he, and, and he put in a really strong game. And here's my uh, hot take of the day, Bruce. If the Oilers centerman, commit to playing defensive hockey like that every single game this team will win the north division in the playoffs if if mcdavid drysaddle Kara, and haas play like they can in the defensive slot and put that first if they if they think mm-hmm. more than anything else that's what they're going to do because the mcdavid and drysaddle don't have to worry about the attack it's going to come but if they put that first and foremost every game in their mind this is what i'm going to do down there the mm-hmm. Oilers will win the north division 
And um, so there, there you go. My hot take of the day. Bruce, my second good thing was the play of Alex Chason, who is, I think, a bit of a favorite of the cult of hockey, but not in every corner of Oyer no fandom kidding. is he a favorite. Here's why I like him. I'm a big fan. Uh, he he's um, he's a he's not a fast skater, and he's not a great offensive hockey player, but he can really shoot the puck. He is a great defensive player at even strength. Mm-hmm. He's the least likely Oilers winger to make a mistake on a grade A chance against. He's always in his position. He's almost always covering off the point. Mm-hmm. He's he's never letting those point shots get through that, that will get through. You know, like the Michael Stone goal there. That's not Jason's mo. That's that's what other people do, not him. But so there's the even strength play where he does what a depth player should do, which is defend exceptionally well and add a little bit of it on the attack now and then. Mm-hmm. His play on the power play though is exceptional, and I, I there still seems to be a, to me a lack of recognition yeah. from a, a number of voter fans, which is fine. You can all see the game points, differently. I don't see how they miss it. I don't see. I don't see how the, how can you miss what uh, Chase on does out there because um, he is. Well, let's just go to the first. Let's go to the the two goals because it was textbook Chase on. The first one, uh, Nugent Hopkins Barry puts it over to Nugent on the faceoff circle on the left circle, and who Nugent fires it right down to Chase on, and Chase on immediately, oh as God. he's done a number of times, hits Drysdale in the slot immediately. And that was the the moment where where this thing starts to kick into high gear. Of course, Leon makes an absolutely brilliant pass, and McDavid fires a great shot, and then Nuge follows up with another great shot. But the first truly great play in that sequence was a journeyman hockey player, but with the smarts to know what he's going to do as soon as he gets it. He's he's got that mapped out. He knows the play, and it's like clockwork. And that's what Alex chased on his leg on the power play: clockwork. Pass the puck, win the puck, move the puck, get in front of the net, screen just in the right spot, get your stick down hard on the ice so when it comes through, it doesn't it doesn't miss your stick. It actually hits your stick and goes in the net maybe. Then on the uh, the winning goal, off the faceoff, he powers into his man, his defender, and because of that, McDavid's able to gather in the puck and fire it in. So two sure. great, just solid, solid power plays by Alex Chason. That was Joachim Nordstrom, who I thought had an excellent game for Calgary tonight. And he won a lot of battles. But uh, Chason got the better of him. And that little one, like like neither of them touched the puck. But uh, what uh, what Chason did by by taking on Nordstrom's stick off the draw there was give McDavid the split second that he needed to shoot the puck. And he found somehow found a hole. I think it was the 14 hole in... Uh, Jacob Markstrom, and it slithered through about two inches over the goal line and uh, four seconds into the power play. Great power I, play chance, just in the net immediately. It was great. <laughs> I think that puck, if you smelled it, it's got Markstrom's deodorant on it because it went right under his <laughs> armpit. Uh, that was a good one. It was tough because it came through a screen. Giordano yep. was screening the goalie, and I don't think he thanks, got man. a good... Yeah, thanks, Jared. Listen, Gio. one of the one of the problems with the Flames right now is, let's be honest, it's Geo, and I don't know if they talk about that in Calgary much, but he is not the player he was um, two years ago uh, when he was such a dominant hockey player. He he's finally, thankfully, slowed down a little bit. So he's some good at keeping the puck in at the blue line, though, David. 
Holy moly, the Oilers are having a hard time firing pucks past him on the point. Yeah. But uh, he's uh, he's slowed down a little bit. And, uh, uh, I, my little sort of astronomy joke Nick, on his nickname is I call him Mark Geostationary, which is a, <laughs> <laughs> which is a, a, a communication, satellite. communication satellites have geostationary orbits. They stay stationary relative to the Earth. They orbit once every 24 hours. So from a given point on the ground, as the Earth rotates, it's always pointing toward. That's why you can point your satellite are they dish going one as fast spot. As, are they exactly going as fast the as the Earth? Yeah, they rotate the once every 24 hours around the cool. Earth. They're at the the 38,000 kilometer altitude calculated by Arthur C. Clarke, the great science fiction and uh, author of 2001, uh, who said if you put a satellite just the right height, it'll take exactly a day. So relative to a spot on the ground, it stays there. So you take your satellite dish and you point it at the geostationary satellite and neither of them has to move. So I call him Mark. I call him geostationary just for, just because he he took out a couple of Oilers. You know, I've I've, I've built up a little bit of resentment for Mark over the years. He's caused us much pain between his many talents and his uh, and his ability to uh, be a little dirty at times or or sneaky anyway. So I think dirty is fair. I think it's a fair <laughs> comment, Bruce. Anyway, he did I a great job of screening comment. his goalie on that one. I have to give him credit. That was first rate. <laughs> All right, your bad thing, Bruce. Oh, well, I'm going to have to pick on uh, Mr. Tyson Berry tonight, defenseman number 22, who uh, recently I was saying how he's only had three negative games in 26 that he's played with Nurse. Well, he's had three in a row now, minus two, minus two, minus one. And tonight his big, huge problem was his total inability to get his shots through from the blue line which he attempted four shots, and all four of them were blocked. But not only that, two of them were blocked by guys that immediately turned the block shot into a breakaway for Calgary. Uh, one, I don't know if it's even called a shot attempt to try to get the puck past um, uh, uh, Goodrow, Johnny B. Goodrow, at the, uh, uh, at the attacking blue line, and Goodrow picked that off and scooted past Barry for a partial breakaway. And that was the play. Nurse kind of cut it off, so uh, Goodrow had to shoot from an angle. And then that sneaky, dirty, no-good Brett Ritchie cross-checked Barry in the back. Real, real sneaky play. And he sent Barry careening into Mike Smith. After, and oh, I thought Smith yeah. was hurt. I was. I had visions of Mark Andre Bergeron, and I was not, not enjoying that little flashback. Let's put it that way. Uh, he had a tough week physically, Tyson Berry. Like, he took some physical darts in all three games, and that was the one tonight. Like, he, he fell hard there, and then Mike Smith landed on him. That's not exactly a small guy. But then in the second period, at the end of the power play, in this situation where especially a guy who's used to being a quarterback on the power play has got to know when their time is ticking down. This was a power play that started, it only had a minute when it began because the penalties overlapped. So it was a short power play. And at the end of it, the Oilers had one defenseman and four forwards out on the ice and the puck came back to Barry. And at that point, I thought, you got one job. That's to get the puck deep and let at least one of your wingers change, change off for another D-man and hopefully get yourself off and change off for another D-man and get situation back to normal. But no, he tried to shoot the puck through, 
And the Flames Defender, how was it, uh, Bennett? Sam Bennett got a piece of that one. And it went to another Calgary guy, and uh, Matthew Kachuk comes out of the penalty box where he's taking a stupid penalty, and he's in the box, and you're thinking, Oilers might score and make him look bad. Instead, he comes out of the box, and Barry turns the puck over, and Calgary makes a good pass, and uh, Kachuk has a breakaway, and he makes a good move. You know, he's a good player, and he... Uh, Put it home to make it 2-1 for Calgary, and I, I had I had a bad feeling about the game at that moment when Calgary retook the lead. But it was just it just was a player you just need to be aware. And Smith did slap the ice, which is a, the universal Universe. indication of the penalty being over. Uh, and so Barry just had to make a better decision or make a better shot and get it through. Either would have been fine. But <clears throat> and so you know he had. Those four block shots, and he, uh, you know, shots that were blocked, and uh, um, not being able to get the shot past the first guy that's close to you—that's the one that leads to the dangerous scoring chances against. That happened to him twice, and he just needs to dial it up a bit in terms of, you know, risk reward is one thing, but when you're talking about high risk, low reward, which is what the Oilers have gotten from Tyson Berry these last three games. Then maybe you got to rethink it a little bit. Yeah, when you're the defenseman, your number one job when you get that puck back at the blue line is just to get it past the forward. Like mm-hmm. that's the gotcha. that's the fundamental gotcha. skill. And a- anything after that is gravy. And if you can get it on net, like that's fantastic. And he often does to give him credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you got it. The fundamental play, fundamental play, which is you know Tyson Berry doesn't always make the fundamental play is defensive play at least is is that so it's kind of it's it's a both a offensive play and you have to be you have to be smart about it there is a, that defensive aspect to it where you can't give up that breakaway yeah um yeah bruce i just i i think the darnell nurse actually has been struggling a little bit on defense because he's they're just not getting it done together and and it's affected nurse's defensive game a little bit he's he he's, has been in a bit of defensive slump although not tonight um as as well and uh, th- there are two Oilers defensemen who have really struggled defensively this year and um one of them is Tyson Berry which I don't think is going to be news to anyone but Caleb Jones has also um really struggled defensively he's actually made a higher rate of major mistakes on grade a chances against than Barry but they're both appreciably higher than any other defenseman on the team those two guys which is kind of a problem because if you were to bump Barry down to the third pairing and put him with Jones then you'd have these two defensemen who are similarly slick and very, very strong on the attack. They're the two best attacking. They're the two most likely defenders to make a a, um, a major contribution to a scoring chance for are Jones and Barry. So if one of them can just <laughs> seal it down, like calm down in the defensive zone, start to make the fundamental plays consistently, they're going to be in good stead on this team. It would be good if both of them could do it. But, but I just... I'm thinking that the safe pairing, well, Logason hasn't been safe recently, but you, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Logason Barry, you know, combination Bruce. Like if you think about it, the Oilers have, they have two top pairing defensemen, Adam Larson and Darnell Nurse. They're both top pairing defensemen in the NHL, if you ask me. So if you put Larson with with Russell, and then Bear with Nurse, I, I think you have a fairly solid top four. And then Barry, and probably it'll be Logason, I'm guessing. So, 
Yeah, well, Jones, I mean, if he has a similar um, uh, defensive error rate as Barry, that's not good because he has nowhere close to the offensive um, um, push that Barry provides. <clears throat> so Jones is, you know, he's not bringing enough offensively to be to be a gaping uh, hole on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, what's he got? One point. I mean, he, I mean, obviously he hasn't he, had a lot of opportunity, pass, but he does pass very well, Bruce. He does mm-hmm. it great on the attack. He's been a little unlucky not to get more right. points. Yeah, that makes I so. So I think Jones actually contributes quite a bit on the attack. And they're similar players in a lot of ways. They just, you know, Barry is, he's playing with Connor McDavid and Drysaddle. You know, Jones doesn't get that opportunity that much. But Con- Jones can really move the puck and get it on net from the point. And he makes good plays in the offensive end. He's just struggled. Like tonight, right? There was a, that sequence in the third period, a very key moment in the game. And he, and he, you know, he was under tough forechecking, but he coughed yeah. up the puck. Twice. And uh, twice he did that. Yeah, yeah. Kara made a good play behind the net and got the puck to Jones with looked like room to move it out, and he skated into a trap and kind of lost it along the boards, and then he got it back and he lost it a second time. And uh, Nordstrom took it hard to the net and got a good chance from from the you know not a great angle, but from very close to Smith, he was able to drive it hard into the net, and it was because Jones wasn't able to take care of business and get the puck out or protect it. Anyway, that was his last shift with like six and a half minutes to go. And, and he only Barry played, played 8.31 on the night, uh, Caleb Jones. And Barry only played on the power play after that. I, they put Bear with Nurse at the end of the game and Russell and Larson, and that's how they wound down the game. And I, it's like I, th- I think the Oilers actually have two pretty solid pairings. They have a top four mm-hmm. defense in those four players, and I expect we'll see them quite a bit down the uh, down the stretch and maybe into the playoffs. Bruce, uh, my bad thing, and I, I, I hardly ever single out this player as a bad thing, but tonight um, there was a couple plays that uh, I didn't like his play at all. Josh Archibald is my bad thing tonight based on these plays. The first goal um, where Stone is able to walk the line and, for, <laughs> and has all kinds of time to tee up his shot. Mm-hmm. That's Archibald's man. He, he, he collapsed down into the slot, which, which maybe that's, a good play if mm-hmm. you make it but if you don't then the puck goes shooting out to the point that guy has all kinds of time and space and territory and screen and screens to set up the shot and bad things tend to happen so cassian might have helped out there he was a little you know he's in a bit of a yeah. tough he's got cassian's also got to be cognizant that the pass can go to his man and then his man right. will have all this time and space and move in so it's not it's a little, you know, maybe Cassian could have sprawled and made a great play. But Archibald didn't make the fundamental play, which is right. to to cover his man and to to make sure the defenseman doesn't have that kind of uh, time and space. Bruce, but the word, the the next play was if it was if if Dominic Cahoon made this play, he'd be sitting this next mm-hmm. play that I'm going to talk about. He'd be sitting the next game. And if it was Joachim Nigard, he'd be out for a month, out of the lineup for a month. But it was Archibald, and they like Archibald. But it's it's as the third second period is winding down, and the Oilers have been hemmed in their zone forever mm-hmm. already, minute, and they finally they finally get it out. It's an Archibald stick. He has quite a simple play, I believe. He could just he's, he he could gain the red line, and pound it in, and that's what Cassian thinks he's going to do. Cassian kind of goes wide, anticipating that. But Archibald decides he's going to make a cross seam pass, cross ice pass to Cassian. And it gets picked off. 
and the and it was the hairiest moment of the game because there was two absolutely Russell blocks the first five alarm chances from the slot. Neither of them neither of them hits the net. First blocked by Russell, who goes down, and then he's hurt and he he can't get up. Then the puck goes. I can't remember who the shooter is, but Nurse. This is the one where Nurse sprawls and get it on. He tips it with his stick. It's a mur- it's a miracle it didn't go in the net. And that was, was on Oilers killer Elias Lindholm that had the shot from the slot. Somehow Nurse got a stick on. He had a wide open net because Smith had committed on the first one, and then the puck kind of bounced over to Lindholm, and he had it looked like a wide open net. And Nurse, more by good luck than a particularly uh, a thing that he, you know, he, it's not like he challenged the, the shot at point of attack. He just kind of waved a stick in the lane and got a piece of it, and it just grazed by the post. David, I was beside myself when Archibald <laughs> made that pass. Like I, I already spent like 45 seconds going, get it out, get the bloody thing out, right? And then they finally get it out. And he's got like 10 feet, maybe 15 feet between him and the red line. And nobody's in it. Like they actually do have their, their they, they do have good position. It's a two on two. And a normal situation, yeah, sure, you try and do something with that two on two. But this is a situation where, his mates have all been in the zone, including himself, for a full minute. Chris Russell has been out for two minutes because he was on the previous pairing with Larson. And in the second period, long change, he never made it to the bench. So Russell was already uh, in lactic acid mode uh, when he made that great shot block. And at that point, Archibald has, you have one job. You know, is that, that, is that saying? You have one job. The one job is you get it to center, you dump it in the corner, and you get your own ass to the bench, and you give all of your other teammates, or most of them at least, a chance to get theirs there as well, and you send out fresh troops. And to try a cross-ice pass, I mean, the Calgary defenseman, he made an aggressive, tough, good play to step up and pick that pass off and bring it back in, and that's when the real hair-raising stuff happened as he... As you say, that'll be an uncomfortable couple of minutes for Archibald in the what they used to call the film room. I don't know how they do it these days, but I'm pretty sure that that uh, that sequence is probably going to show up on his tablet when he's reviewing his own game shifts. <laughs> he won't be feeling good about it, and he shouldn't. <laughs> Maybe his brain was scorched too from being so tired, and he just had a well, yeah, brain blip. But the, but- you, the, the, the veteran pros. This is where you have to you, you have to know how to manage a situation, lactic acid and all that. For that one or two seconds when the puck's on your stick, you have to absolutely not fool around. You got to you know do the safe thing and and uh, allow your allow your mates to get the hell off the ice. And and he really didn't. That was that was brutal. You know, but the, the funny thing is, a month from now we'll all remember the Cahoon turnover because it ended in a goal against. But this we will forget because it didn't because it ended in a great play. And so there's just not the same amount yeah. of no, negative right. feeling about it as there would, like if, if there had only makes a, goal, a save, then it's all good. Kippett yeah. would be asked about it in his press conference tonight. I bet you he won't be asked about that play. I Maybe I'm wrong, but I bet you that won't, or that turnover won't come up. But if it had, if there had been a goal against that turnover probably would come up. You'd think. Um, but yeah, he, you know, He's a useful ho- hockey player, Josh Archibald. But those, you know, he he can be. Um, he, he his defense is strong, but he can make mental errors, just like any any other defenseman. Like I, I like Chase on, like in the defensive zone, I'll take Chase on over him all the time, all game long. I think he's a better defender. 
but in the for the full up and down the ice, you know, and all the energy Archibald brings, they be, they get to be comparable players for. But I tell you, Dave, David, uh, Dave Tippett loves Archibald and he trusts him. In I the know. last minute of this game, his forward line was McDavid, Drysaddle, and Archibald. Yeah, I'd have Chase on, like oh. personally, like if it was me, and Haas, and uh, probably yeah. Drysaddle. I don't mind having they McDavid got the out, there. out. And Archibald went for the empty net, and the Calgary guy deflected his shot, and they they wound up having to kill kill the game right to the last second. Archibald can, yeah, he can play strong defensive hockey too. Like he's he, he's he's not he's not a liability. That's for sure. He's a good defensive player. Bruce, what's your number? Uh, I'm going to go with the number 12, one dozen, which is the number of points separating Edmonton Oilers from Calgary Flames in the standings as we speak. Edmonton, 38 games, 47 points. Calgary, 38 games, 35 points. And with 18 games to play, that is just a massive gulf between Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, I would say the chances of Calgary overtaking that deficit is very tiny at this point in time. Very tiny. And so by winning yet another game in regulation against Calgary, their fifth one this year, uh, they're putting a stake through Calgary's heart. Because not only are they gaining two more points on them, it's going to take Calgary one game to get the two points back, and then another game to try and gain some of the ground that they needed to gain. And, and, and when they keep losing in these head-to-heads, uh, which is now uh, five to two for Edmonton on the season series, where Calgary won the first game and then Edmonton's won five out of the last six. Uh, you know, we turn that around. Calgary wins five to two over Edmonton. They're tied in the standings right now, but because Edmonton has been strong in the season series and won well two blowouts and three one-goal regulation wins, so. Uh, Two one three two and three two and and the last time Calgary was here it was the same thing it was tied two 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 down the stretch in the third period and McDavid got the goal that decided that one as well and Evans won the three to two in regulation. Yeah, there's this all this talk about Calgary like having maybe trouble in the room the old the old trouble in the room maybe someone makes jokes that are too nasty at everybody else's expense. I'm not sure what it is, Bruce. <laughs> And then there's the other one, like, well, they don't play big, they don't play big, big games. And, uh, but I, I just don't think they're that good. I think it comes down to that. Like, this is what I see with the team. They're just not that good. Um, they, they're, they're, they're good players aren't as good as the really good players on the other Canadian teams. And they're, um, they're, their top four defense is just okay, but they really miss TJ Brody, you know, who's always so dependable moving the puck. Mm-hmm. Um, getting the puck going, moving the puck. Yeah. You know, he's, he, he, you know, this is the kind of player I'm hoping Ethan Bear becomes, you know, regularly that, that kind of just so solid moving the puck, moving the puck, moving the puck, defending fundamentally sound. And that's what they had in him. And they, they decided to go in a different direction or he did. So, yeah, I just don't think they're, I think the obvious answer is why, why aren't the flames winning? Cause they're just not that good a team. They, they don't have the talent that the other teams have. And and I don't see it as a matter of heart or will or I see a team that plays hard actually, but I, I just they don't played see, a, they played a pretty yeah. good game tonight, Calgary. They did. In fact, they well they outchanced the owners eight to six, as we said. They didn't get the save they needed when it was two to two. Thought that uh, that game winner was a little bit weak on Markstrom's part, and the 
the difference in puck handling between the two, I think it was a Louis DeBrusque or maybe it was uh, Rob Brown in the post game. One of one of the one of the on-air personalities talked about the vast gulf between I think it was Robbie Brown between uh, Mike Smith and uh, and Markstrom's puck oh, handling. Geez. He said Markstrom looked like a junior B. He almost gave uh, Yamamoto a free gift. Yeah, with a terrible pass off the end boards. That, uh, yeah, I think if Yamo realized he had an extra split second there, he could have tried to tuck it home himself. Anyway, it was uh, the game-winning goal. I mean, shot went through his armpit, as you say, and just dribbled through. Koskinen's a better puck mover than Markstrom. Oh. And, and <laughs> Koskinen's not very good. Markstrom really is terrible at it. Like it, it's a true liability. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just a real negative. I'm just happy every every time I see him go out to play the puck. I'm thinking, okay, good, because it's just gonna nothing good is gonna come for the Flames from this. So, but he he's he can he can stop the puck usually. Like he's usually, a, he's a pretty good puck stopper. I'll give him that. Bruce, my number is just a quick look at the Oilers' contributions. Uh, for two-minute power play, major contributions to grade-A scoring chances, which we measure. And um, it's it's going to highlight a point I made earlier about Chase on. He's actually tied, pretty much tied with Leon Dreisaitl for second on the team in terms of these major contributions to grade-A chances. So these can be, either, you know, passes into the slot or passes in the slot or or the, the shot itself that's the grade-A scoring chance shot. Those are the most obvious things. And obviously Leon Dreisaitl does that a lot more than Alex Chase on. But what Chason does more than anyone uh, on the team is he screens the goalie and screens the goalie very well. And he and he wins battles, both in the corner to ignite plays and in front of the net to get that puck moving uh, in the right direction. And he's often there, Keep right in the, the thick, of th- thick of things. So he McDavid leads the team. He's got a 0.91 per two-minute power play. I do it on a per two basis, so right. 0.91. Mm-hmm. Uh, Settle's next, 0.77. Then Chase on, 0.76. Puli Arvi, 0.64. And RNH, 0.49. Tyson oh. Barrett, Tyson 0.31. So Chase on is... Um, mm. Puli Arvi's doing pretty well. He's... You know, I can see an argument, you know, that he, he one day that guy could be a bit of a monster of the midway on the power play in front of the net like an octopus reaching out here and there to tap in goals and screen the goalie. There's nothing wrong with Pugliarvi on the power play, but there's just everything right about Chase on. And I would not want to see him traded at the deadline. I think the owner's best chance of winning in the playoffs is with Chase on as a huge part of that power play. I just think he causes such havoc down there that they can't ignore him, and that opens up all of those passing lanes for the for the the rest of his team. And when he gets the puck, he usually makes a really good play with it, moving it quickly to someone who knows better what to do with it than he, and he understands that, and he does that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, his battle is to his job is to on the. Um, continuations after the first shot's been attempted and the puck goes in the corner or there's a rebound in front is just to bust his butt to the puck and try to at least saw it off because he knows he's got one more guy to get it than the other team does but quite often he wins it outright but he's uh, he's very good on those uh, second um, puck recoveries to keep the cycle alive or to re- restart the cycle depending on how you want to 
you want to phrase it, but uh, he uh, uh, he's really good at that. And uh, he's uh, I've made the comparison before that uh, you know the the quarterback on the power play plays the point, and the guy in the net front is more in the tight end role. And there's uh, you know there's two types of tight end. There's a blocking tight end, and there's a pass catching tight end. And Chason is very much more in the blocking tight end. But they run the ball to his side, you know, because he's so good at it. And uh, every once in a while, he gets into the into the offensive flow, and the puck comes to him. But by and large, he's doing the the underappreciated job away from the puck, and frankly, away from the eyes of the people watching the power play, because he is, I think, very underappreciated for uh, for what he brings to the table on that unit. He's the Riley Odoms of the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> And if you if you can if you know who that is, Bruce, that's a very obscure 1970s sports reference. He was the tight end on the Denver Broncos, mm-hmm. and he was a very good tight end, and he was known for his blocking. He was a right. he was that kind of old school mm-hmm. tight end that you saw more often actually in the 1970s right. when it was more of a running trench warfare kind of game in the NFL. Yeah, he's not Gronk. He's uh, you know he's uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's more in the trenches kind of kind of guy, and then the, the odd time he'll. He'll chip in with a key key catch on third and short, or you know, whatever. But he he's uh, I I think I, I watch him pretty closely because of course I'm a goalie guy, so I'm always watching what the other goalie's doing. Usually, what the other goalie's trying to do is see around chase on because he's right in his face. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, yes, Apuliyarvi should just watch videotape of how that mm-hmm. guy plays the power play, and mm-hmm. and do that. Exactly he's coming. Yes, he's making real good progress in that role. He's he's yeah. he's uh, uh, he's he's vying for time on the power play, but uh, well, he's taken over from Neil, right? Like the right. So so that's good. Although they're more inclined to stick longer with Chase on, I think. You know, Puliyarvi's future on the power play could also be, in theory, on the left um, half wall as a right shot uh, on his off wing there, like Yamamoto and Puliyarvi. Now that's Nugent Hopkins is there right now and. Nuge is very good there, but you know they might decide in the end one day to go with a a right uh, shot off wing shooter there. So and Puliyarvi might be that guy as well. But Speaking I'm not sure. Nuge, though, a big shout out for his first goal tonight to tie the game at one one after Markson had made a terrific save off of oh, the, yeah. the setup from from Chason to uh, to Drysaddle to McDavid. And Drysaddle half won the battle in front where the Calgary guy looked like he was going to clear it. And Drysaddle got his big oak tree in there and got a piece of it and it went over to Nuge. And he didn't have a lot of time. And usually when he doesn't have time, he doesn't does, doesn't get the job done. He needs a second to let, let fly. But on the backhand side, and there are some players in the NHL that wouldn't even try to shoot from there. They just pass it to someone on their forehand. But he buried it just inside the post before Markstrom got over there. And that was a slick finish by Nugent Hopkins very good to see fantastic play by Nuge like it was just a great goal all right Bruce I think uh, we can leave it there and let you get to work on your game grades all right lots funner to write them after a win I can tell you that and we got a game no no games this weekend but a game game tomorrow it's been postponed and then they play in back to Montreal on Monday this is a, 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 I'm 100% sure I'm right in this. This is the first time in the history of the Edmonton Oilers that they played consecutive games in Montreal, in Edmonton, and then in Montreal. Sounds like a playoff series. But uh, it's, uh, 
That's it'll be their fourth trip to Montreal for their third game there. Remember when they're going to stack up all these extra games on single trips? Well, that sure went sideways when the triple header got cancelled, and now they're making it up a game here and there. And we'll see tomorrow if they make any line changes or lineup changes. I I thought the dry settle line was f- fantastic tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still yep. not loving the McDavid RNH Pulley RV line at even strength. I just don't see. Hasn't worked all year, Bruce, that well, and um, still, I'm still doubtful. But maybe they'll, maybe they'll get it right. Maybe they'll take off one of these games. I didn't see yesterday that good tonight, but oh, he's, yeah, he's been mostly good. But I, I didn't think he was particularly strong tonight. Yeah, he probably got the old stink guy from Connor McDavid on the bench on the, <laughs> after missing on, on that breakaway pass, pass where he yeah. baby oh, went into his feet. Yeah, ooh, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. But he did hit him a second. Yeah, they, they, they kind of got a second lesser opportunity on, on, a, on a decent recovery, but the, the, the easy play would have resulted in a breakaway for McDavid, which is kind of the optimum play that you're hoping for. That's the kind of pass I would make in my Div 500 hockey, right, you know, off the back of someone's skate. All right, Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime... And in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.